So then, what's the point here? Unless the body part that causes you to be ensnared is not completely or drastically addressed, then you're going to hell. And what's the body part that needs drastic action taken? But I say to you, everyone who looks upon a woman to lust for her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. Welcome to this midweek edition of Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt, pastor of Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And Greg, today we're going to see that drastic action needs to be taken regarding sexual sin. Yes, we will, Dave, but we're also going to see that that drastic action has a context. So what do I mean? Well, turn with us to Matthew chapter 5, and we're looking at verses 27 to 30. Now, the things we'll be speaking of today are sexual in nature, so please protect little ears. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, if you want to listen to today's broadcast again, just download our new free app from the Apple App Store. You'll find today's broadcast, archived broadcasts, as well as more about this ministry and our teacher, Pastor Greg Lundstedt. Now, let's join Greg for today's message. So he's saying, whatever causes you to get tripped up, caught in sin, in this area specifically, it must be drastically addressed, otherwise you will suffer eternal consequence. And if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out, throw it from you, for it is better for you that one of your parts of your body perish than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you, for it is better for you that one of the parts of your body perish than your whole body go into hell. Now you might ask, why does Jesus use the terms right eye and right hand? Some say the Jews thought those were the most valuable things, your right eye and your right hand, but what about left-handed people, right? That's possible. But what do we lust with? Our eyes. And how do you touch a woman with your hands, right? Those are the offending parts. They're the parts that are involved in the actions. So, therefore, you need to gouge out your eyes and cut off your hands. Is that what he's saying? You need to be very careful to interpret this with the intent God ordained and interpret it rightly. Or we could do so to our own physical peril and eternal detriment. So what is he saying here about this radical action? Is he saying physically do this, pull out the eye and throw it from you and cut off your hands? Most interpreters would say he's speaking of drastic action to sin, and I would agree initially, but I'm not sure that's the whole point here. Really not. You say, why, Greg? First of all, look at the consequence for not dealing drastically. End of verse 20. Then for your body to be thrown into hell. Middle of 34. is better that one of your parts of your body perish than for your whole body to go into hell. Let me ask you this. Will believers be thrown in hell? No. He's speaking to non-believers here. He is speaking to non-believers. And it's important that we understand that. He's saying if there isn't drastic action taken, you're going to go to hell. There isn't drastic action taken to take care of sin, you're going to hell. Now, everywhere you see this same analogy shared in Scripture, Matthew 18, Mark 9, 43, 45, 47, it's always that they would not be cast into hell. It has to do with non-believers going to judgment. So we need to recognize these statements are not directed to us, okay? And we'll talk about that. But those on the precipice of paying the eternal price for their sins. On a side note, please don't use this passage to gain your theology on how to deal with sexual sin. 
don't use it. Remember we saw in Colossians chapter 2, these are of matters to be sure to have the appearance of wisdom, self-made religion, self-abasement, severe treatment of the body. They have no value against fleshly indulgence. You poke your eye out, you cut your hand off, that's not going to help you. Because what we're going to see, it's the matter of the heart that brings it about. So then what's the point here? Unless the body part that causes you to be ensnared is not completely or drastically addressed, then you're going to hell. And what's the body part that needs drastic action taken? But I say to you, everyone who looks upon a woman to lust for her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. I've already committed the sin in my heart before my eyes and my hands act upon it. My heart is the offending part. He's using this radical illustration that you need to address the offending part of your body, which in this context is the heart. And remember he said back in the Beatitudes, blessed are those with a pure heart, cleansed hearts. And so as I've studied this passage, I don't believe Jesus is saying drastically address the things that will cause you to sin from the outside, as some people would try to do. Get rid of the Internet. Don't watch TV. Hold your head down so you never see a woman. Or the endless things you could do to protect yourself, supposedly. Now, some might be wise, but the issue is the heart. And folks, we need to recognize the needs for our hearts to be cleansed, to be purified. You see, every one apart from God has an impure heart. Now, because someone thinks they got a clean heart, that doesn't mean they have a clean heart. Proverbs 29, verse 9, who can say, I've cleansed my heart, I'm pure from sin. It's sin is the issue. God is the one who weighs the motives of the heart. Proverbs 16, 2, all the ways of a man are clean in his own sight. They say, I'm fine. No, but the Lord weighs the motives. Proverbs 30, verse 12, there's a kind who is pure in his own eyes, yet is not washed from his filthiness. Man apart from God does not have a pure heart. And we must acknowledge our need for cleansing. Man has a defiled, deceitful, sinful heart, which separates him from a holy God. You see, sin has caused separation between us and God. And our inner man, our thinking, our being is defiled by sin. And folks, God sees everything, but our hearts are more deceitful. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is more deceitful than all else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give to each according to his ways for the result of his deeds. Jesus makes it clear in Matthew 12 that what comes from our heart is good or bad. Matthew 12, you could turn up there for a second. Matthew 12, 34, you brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of his evil treasure brings forth what is evil. I say to you that every careless word men shall speak, they shall render account for it in the day of judgment. For by your words, it shall be justified. By your words, you shall be condemned. So let me ask you this. Has your heart been cleansed through faith in Jesus Christ? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ for a cleansed heart? You see, if you haven't, there are consequences. Look at our passage in the verse 29. For your whole body to be thrown into hell... End of verse 3, then your whole body go into hell. The consequence for the sin at the heart level, not even the action, is hell. And every one of you have been angry. Every one of you, I believe, have lusted. Everyone's fallen into that. 
The term hell here, Gehenna, in Greek, has the Hebrew word, speaks of valley and then a deep ravine. This ravine was associated with the god Moloch and his disgusting rite of infant sacrifice. It's literally the valley of Hinnon, where the filth and dead animals of the city were cast up there and burned. Trash was perpetually burned there. It's a fit symbol for the future home of all the unrepentant wicked men and women who have rejected Christ. It's a foul, forbidding place where fire, smoke, stench never ceased. Thus, we see it's hell. So then, the consequence is hell. Jesus shared in Luke chapter 12, 14, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. After that, I have no more they can do. But I warn you to fear the one who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. God has the authority to cast you into hell for your sins. And if you die in your sins, you will find yourself being cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 21, verse 7, He who overcomes shall inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But for the cowardly, unbelieving, and abominable, and murderers, and immoral persons, there you go, right there, just in the heart, that's all it takes, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, their part will be in the lake, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. God, in human flesh, says you're guilty enough if you thought it. Guilty enough for hell. You need to be cleansed. And how is it we're cleansed? The good news is that you can have a clean heart today. You can be cleansed of your sin. There is no way for you to overcome sin and death on your own, but one overcame sin and death. God took on human flesh and he died for your sins, and he rose from the dead, and he overcame sin and death. And if you believe in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, you will be delivered from the sentence to hell, and you'll receive eternal life. And you'll have a cleansed heart. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. God's grace, the person of Jesus, has appeared. The offer is for everyone. Instructing us to die in godliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us. That means pay the price from every lawless deed, and purify. Purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Back in Acts, when they were debating about the Gentiles that came to faith, Peter claims the truth about what happened to the Gentiles. says, God made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Acts chapter 15, verse 9. You can have a cleansed heart today. You see, back in Ezekiel 36, the Lord, foreshadowing what he's going to do with Israel when he saves them on that day, shares this. But the same reality of salvation applies to us in Christ. Ezekiel 36, 25. He says, then I'll sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. This is Ezekiel, by the way. And cause you to walk in my statutes. You will be careful to observe my ordinances. Get a new heart. Cleanse heart. It's Jesus that changes our hearts. Remember, we saw in Colossians, in him we've been made complete. And we have been circumcised spiritually through the circumcision of Christ. He has cleansed our hearts. Our sins have been forgiven. 
So, friend, turn to Christ today. Christ has done all the work. If you're weary and heavy laden, turn to Jesus and be a rest for your soul. So then I believe what he's saying here to these Jews is that there must be drastic action taken to deal with the part that causes sin. It's the heart. It's got to be changed. It's got to die in a sense. It's got to be cut off and a new one brought forth in a new heart. Now, some of you might be saying, I've trusted Jesus. I have a cleansed heart. But I find myself being tempted to lust. You talk about anger too, same thing in that context. Whether it's through the internet, TV, or just walking around, what can I do? I seem so helpless. What can I do? What type of action needs to be taken for in the case of a believer? Do we run out and take drastic physical action? You know, that phony so-called early Christian apologist origin, he castrated himself. Okay, that's going to solve it? Not when it's a matter of the heart, origin. Sorry about that. Terrible. Is physical mutilation of the body that which keeps us from sinning? Absolutely not. Remember we saw in Colossians chapter 2, these things are of no value against fleshly indulgence. All your rules are of no value. You need the Lord Jesus Christ. You need him for all areas of sin. It's Jesus Christ, God, in whom we are complete, who will deliver us when we seek him, when we trust him, when we rely on him. And when we fail, we confess our sin and we're forgiven. Jesus is the one in whom all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you've been made complete. So set your mind on the things above, right? Not the things of earth. Now, something to address here that I haven't shared before, at least in this context, is if you're struggling with sexual temptation... Maybe there's other sin in your life you haven't confessed. You keep going to Jesus, but you got other sin you haven't confessed. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord doesn't hear. I can go to Jesus all day long. I need to be clean before him and confess sin and then go to Lord Jesus. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. Don't think you're greater than anyone else in that. And God is faithful, not you, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You see, the only way we are to be delivered from temptation is to allow faithful God to deliver us. And how do we get delivered when we were saved? We believed the gospel, and we trusted in Jesus. Lord, Jesus, save me. In the same way, I need you to deliver me from these temptations right now, Lord Jesus. And he'll use his word, as we'll see. He uses spirit. doesn't mean we don't fail. We do trip up. We're, we're not glorified yet. We confess our sin. We are those who confess sin. But we go to Jesus for deliverance. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You go to him in the same manner you did when you got saved, and you trust him in the same manner when you got saved to deliver you from that temptation, and he will do it. But part of the means he does it is through his word that he uses to protect us. Look at Romans chapter 13, verse 11. And do this. Knowing the time that's already for you to awaken from sleep, Romans 13, 11, for now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. Verse 12, the night is almost gone, the day is at hand. Let us therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness upon the arm of light. Because of who you are and where you're going, that ought to motivate you to set those things aside. Let us behave properly as in the day, not carousing drunkenness, nor in sexual promiscuity, sensuality, or strife and jealousy but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. How do I put him on? 
I keep seeking the things above. Where Christ is, I walk in fellowship with him. I trust him. I walk with him. Putting on speaks of putting on clothing. When you get up in the morning, you put on your clothes. You don't fall off during the day, right? You put on Christ the minute you get up. You start thinking about him, walking with him, fellowshipping with him, meditating on him through his word, having it dwell richly in your heart, and that protects you. And he will protect you. It's interesting, when we get to Colossians in our passage, if then you've been raised, Colossians 3, with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, not the things that are on earth. For you have died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members, eyeballs and arms and hands, members of your body, and you'll see your heart, as dead to immorality. Because I'm a new creation in Christ. The old man has died. The power of sin doesn't have its power anymore. I can say no to it in the context of turning to Jesus. It's something totally different. It only applies to believers who are in Christ. Therefore, as we'll see, kill it off. That's really what it's going to be. Caught. I want to see that. I get sick in my stomach when I hear of counselors who say, I want to help you with your struggle. Sorry, no. Stop struggling and put sin to death. Stop it. By the power of the Holy Spirit, say no. Confess when you fail. Trust the Lord. As we walk with Christ, he will deliver us when we, as walking with him, say no to sin. Putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to see it for what it is when we do fail. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He forgives us. A few more passages to illustrate this. When I have a right view of things, it directs me the right way rather than, you know, as I'm seeing, let's say this uh, woman comes in and I'm, Drawn to that woman, I turn away. Lord, help me not to see her in a lustful way. Help me to see her from your perspective. Change my heart towards this person and help me look the right way. Hebrews 13.4, let the marriage bed be held in honor. Let marriage be undefiled, for God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Proverbs chapter 5 talks about drinking water from your own cistern. Talks about that. And from your own well, why should your springs be dispersed abroad? Streams of water in the streets, let them be yours alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth as a loving hind, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times, be exhilarated with her love. For why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? For, and here's the key, the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord. Dear God. Be thinking about him and function rightly in the gifts that God has given. Marriage is a blessed gift. Now don't forget Paul shares in 1 Corinthians 7, married people shouldn't be holding back from one another except for prayer. Proverbs 7 talks about putting the word and treasuring them within you. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you're my sister. Call for understanding that they may keep you from the adulteress. It's going to guide your heart. God's word. Jesus, through his word, by his spirit, is going to deliver you if you go to him. We all know Psalm 119.11, thy word I've treasured in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Amen. But we've got to read 10. With all my heart I have sought thee. Do not let me wander from thy commandments. Thy word I have treasured in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. I'm seeking the Lord Jesus with all my heart. And I'm asking him, don't let me wander. Protect me. And I've got my word treasured in a heart that I wouldn't sin. 
First Peter chapter two, as alien strangers abstain from fleshly lusts, lust which wage war your soul. God's word tells me, hey, get out of that war, abstain from it. Paul, in reminding the Thessalonians about the commandments that he gave them by the authority of Jesus, says, "This is your will, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality." He talks about it. Let God's word work in your heart. Let Jesus, through His Spirit, use His word to walk with Him. So you walk rightly, and it directs you, and redirects you, and corrects you. Paul tells Timothy that those who name the name of the Lord should abstain from wickedness. It means no. Right? Turn to that. We'll be finished up here. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And he's addressing the reality that in a house there's many vessels, some for honor, some for dishonor. He's making a point that in the church there's going to be some bad people in there. But what are we to do about it? Are we to go out and throw the vessels out? Well, obviously we see it. But here, the point of what he's going to say is, nevertheless, 2 Timothy 2.19, this firm foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. Okay? And let everyone who names the name of the Lord abstain from wickedness, right? Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but vessels of wood and earthenware, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if a man cleanses himself from these things, he'll be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee youthful lusts and pursue faith, love, and peace with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. Brothers, true brothers. Maybe some of you are temporarily stopping sin, but you, or you got caught or convicted or whatever it might be, but you haven't filled yourself with the right things. Fill yourself up with the truth of God and walk with the God of the truth. So you fall against, say no, confess your sin, be cleansed, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, seeking and serving Him with those who call upon the name of the Lord with a pure heart. There's plenty of examples in Scripture of how we deal with temptation. And it isn't through just accountability partners and internet filters and all that stuff. That's not it. It's a matter of the heart. Some things may be wise, but it comes down to a heart that is yielded to Christ and trusts in Him in the same level you did when you got saved. And He will deliver you. So how can we walk in sexual purity? Today we've seen if you lust, you're guilty to go to hell. And some of you realize you're guilty. And Jesus makes it clear that drastic action must take place or you'll go to hell. So how do you get a cleansed heart? Turn to Jesus Christ and believe in him for salvation of your sins and you'll be saved. You'll have a cleansed heart through faith. And then for those of us, we still get tempted. But let Jesus change your heart towards people and circumstances and situations. Let the Lord Jesus change the way you think. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and let him live through you. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Trust him. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you, thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. 
To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free, 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, would you give us some final advice for those struggling with sexual sin? Yes, Dave. Well, today we've seen that if you lust, you're guilty enough to go to hell. And some of you realize today that you are guilty. Well, Jesus made it clear that drastic action needs to take place, or you will go to hell. I implore you to call upon Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. You see, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, and you'll be cleansed of all your sin. Well, what about those of us who believe? Well, as we've begun to see, it is only through Christ that we can be delivered. You see, we have a totally sufficient Savior. So then, I'd encourage you to make plans to join us tomorrow as we come back to our Colossians study, where we're going to see how we can be delivered from sexual sin. As we close today's broadcast, it's our prayer that the Word of God has done its work in your life and that you've been challenged and encouraged to follow Christ more closely. If you'd like a complimentary CD of today's broadcast, call us toll-free at 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Well, we hope you'll make plans to join us again tomorrow, right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints. Equipping the Saints is a broadcast ministry of Equipping Bible Church.